Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My guest today is Marcus Levine, the co-founder at XYO. XYO is the world's first blockchain geospatial oracle network backed by cryptography that anonymously collects and validates data with a geographic component. Uh, XYO currently has a market cap, the token of 180 million, as of our recording on May 5th, 2020. The company has raised about $14 million. We talked about his strategy on raising money through traditional means. The company is set up as a C-Corp. And we talked about their decisions on how they raised, why they raised, why they're launching the token, what their future potential growth strategy is, and much more. Uh, XYO is a really unique protocol and a unique company that is really focusing on geography and location and building a decentralized oracle for location. So we dove into all the details and covered a lot of ground. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. Marcus did mention that the company is being listed very soon. XYO will be listed on T0, which is a trading marketplace. So you'll be able to trade uh, XYO, the company, not just the tokens very soon. So stay tuned for that launch. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Marcus Levine. Marcus, uh, welcome. I'm excited to chat with you more. So you're running this, uh, this protocol, this company, uh, XYO. How, tell me the, give me the landscape of the structure of the organization. So it's, I know it's a, a coin that you have, the XYO coin, uh, you've raised money, I think, in 2018 through an ICO, an initial coin offering. Is there a current uh, legal structure with equity and shares as well that funds development, or how is the what's the landscape of what we're talking we're, we're, what we're talking about? Uh, hi, hi, my guy. I love that as a as a first question. You know, like uh, in a in a lot of communities, that that wouldn't be the first question. It's like, oh, how can I buy a Lamborghini from your coin? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll ask you that too. <laughs> <laughs> you ask that question, which is awesome. Uh, like, uh, yeah, quite different than a lot of other crypto projects in that we don't have a foreign foundation and then some uh, some elaborate uh, international structure. Uh, but we have actually two U.S. entities, and they're both uh, C corps, and so it's a Delaware C corp, right? Uh, XY Labs and XY Labs owns the XYO Foundation, and 
Excel Labs was at LLC in like 2012 till 2016. So we were around for a while and then, you know, it, it became a C Corp. And we did that because uh, we like the transparency uh, that gives to people and, and the trust. Uh, you know, as a C Corp, here we fall under under U.S. laws and U.S. regulations, and provides trust uh, even to people outside of the U.S. Right? In, in in that our structure is properly set up, but uh, we have even even more. You know, you mentioned like we did a ICO in in 2018, and, and that's correct. Uh, we also did a Regulation A offering, which means uh, we were we were allowed to raise funds from accredited and unaccredited investors. And so now we have more than twenty-three thousand shareholders, uh, plus you know our our token holders, and uh, and this the regulation A offering because it, it was so large. Now we have uh, to do semi-annual filings with the SEC. We just did our annual report on uh, May second, so just a few days ago, and uh, so it, we are maybe one of the most transparent. Uh, crypto projects out there, right? Because we have audited financials, semi-annual filings, and uh, and and all these things with the with the US sector. What did you use to to raise under uh, Reg A to have the twenty three thousand? Was it a platform, some crowdfunding platform? Yeah, we looked into them, and uh, the the in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, that's when we raised most of that money. Yeah, they weren't just as good as as they are today. You know, the, the fees were really high, and they the flexibility very low and and the the regulation a offerings then were mostly yeah, real estate companies and, and not uh, forward like uh, fintech and technology companies in, in general and uh, so we decided to do it ourselves and we set up our legal structure and you know we have uh, amazing legal advice and uh, did it all in-house from uh, setup to the marketing to everything and could, could you take or did you take money from people internationally? Is there any rules on that across country borders? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Uh, you need to look at the jurisdictions and, and decide from which jurisdiction you can take money. In. So you, for the US, it's, it's not a problem at all. You know, they, uh, they, they allow you to take money from international investors, but then certain jurisdictions might have certain restrictions. Mm. So we looked into those and, and, and tried to make sure that, you know, we raise only uh, where we are allowed to raise. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. So the, there's two companies. So you have XYO, that is a C-Corp that you have 23,000 investors in. During that round, uh, go ahead. Let, let me clarify. So there's the XY Labs, which is the, the C-Corp, and then there's the XYO Foundation, which is wholly owned by XY Labs. Got it. And so the shareholders are in XY Labs, and the XYO token is in the XYO foundation however it all comes up to to xy labs mm. how does that you mentioned it's quite unique which it is how does that impact your business now going forward is it is somewhat exclusionary where the people who own those shares you know unlike a token there isn't a uh, a completely liquid market of buying and selling which is you know part of the friction that people can't buy and sell uh, equities easily in the secondary market on private companies does that have a practical impact on operations or is it just the way it is i love that question even even more than your first uh because (laughs) uh, we have these shareholders and there's a lot of like small holders there people have like 40 shares right or 100 shares like small holders right and and we want to provide some liquidity and uh, an ipo is is a 
difficult thing. So uh, for a company, you know, like usually you have, if you listen to NASDAQ, you have millions dollars, million dollars listing fees, and then you have like one to four million dollars in compliance fees plus distractions from, from quarterly reports, right? Uh, but uh, there's obviously a long-term benefit for a lot of companies. But uh, we decided to list our companies on something called an alternative trading system. So in the United States, you have the national exchanges like the NYSE, NASDAQ, and, and Friends. And under it, you have something new. It's called alternative trading system or ATS. And it's a way to tokenize securities and, and list them on, on the marketplace with a regular order book, bid to ask, and, and, and so on. And we are listing with a market leader, uh, we plan to list with market leader this quarter. It's called T0 ATS. And they have like 90% or so of, of, of the market right now. And we are going to be the seventh or eighth listed asset uh, on the market. So it's super exciting. Uh, nice. However, liquidity is still pretty small. You know, it's, it's not like a NASDAQ, right? It's a very nascent space. It's like Bitcoin in 2009. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, so we have, we provide liquidity to our shareholders plus, uh, and then we have the XYO tokens, right? And those people have lots of liquidity because XYO trades on Coinbase and, and friends. So we have the utility token and then we have the security token and those things. And uh, you will be able at T0 to trade from XYO to XYLabs shares back to BTC to whatever. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah. What a, what a great concept because that seems to be the missing link. Most people I interview that have a token, they typically explain the token as either, I mean, when you really boil it down, the token is either completely standalone from the project and, and it's not correlated in any way. It's just a mechanism for moving money from people's wallets into the company's wallet. And that that ends up being useful to the extent that the company can generate funds to operationalize the business, but there isn't the substantive uh, voting privileges or uh, really any privileges in the company itself. So you'll have a company, you have a token, people buy the token, founders own the token, they set, sell it, and then they have money for the business. But it's like, that's clearly not the end state of of people don't just want to buy a token that's detached from the company or detached from the project. So I really like that. I'll check it out. That's an awesome, awesome that you guys decided to do that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and really so, yeah, separately you have a, not you, but there is a Y X Y O uh, coin that's operational that looked like from my research went through a massive price swing around November last year. W do you have a story as to why you think that may have happened? Or is it just people getting crazy and buying and ramping up prices like tends to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, good observation. Uh, our token price from the low to the high last year, like 460x in, in, in price. And uh, a lot of things happened. It's uh, we so our, the, we launched in, in 2018, and if you recall, in 2018, in January first or something, the ETH price was at like a thousand dollars, right? And then in March it was at like five hundred, and and so on and so on, right? Until it hit seventy bucks, and uh, we launched into like a super 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 hard environment, and so different than a lot of other crypto projects which came into being in, in 2017, we had to make sure that we build a, a, a business model which is sustainable, right? We, we couldn't just rely on, on our reserves. 
And so we built something which made us uh, profitable as a company. We just reported uh, $5.8 million of profits for last year. And we, uh, and we do that through online marketing. So we're really good at, at online advertising. It promotes uh, our our ecosystem and our apps and, and brings partners in, into our ecosystem, which generate cash. And uh, and so this advertising makes XRO more known and, and brings more people into the ecosystem. So we have now more than 4 million uh, downloads of, of our nodes, uh, which makes us one of the largest blockchain networks in, in the world. And... Uh, but also then the money which comes in, we go and buy XYO in the open market and put it back into the ecosystem. Uh, we wanted in the beginning when we launched XYO, we wanted it to be all like super decentralized as is, is the dream of, of most crypto nerds like so. And, but most companies didn't want to pay us in XYO. And didn't, it was difficult for traditional companies to interact with our smart contract and, and all, all these stories. And in 2018, they all thought, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a money launderer or a drug yeah, of course. cartel boss or something, right? And so we 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 told them about the solutions we provide, and then blockchain came second in in that conversation. And then uh, we changed, and like we do monthly invoicing, and you can pay us in US dollars or any other currency you want to pay us, and then we take that money, right, and, and put it into our ecosystem to to uh, pay the notes. Uh, and incentivize the notes. And, uh, and so this really snowballed in a way because uh, you know, as we grew, right, we had more advertising, which brought in more dollars and th- which made us buy more XYO, which led to more advertising and, and oh, you, it went and went and went and went. And then uh, it really accelerated in September. We got the Coinbase listing uh, before we were listed on, on some other exchange, but Coinbase obviously hit it off and, and then... Uh, some other listings happened right after that. Hmm. And then conveniently, two months later, on like November 10th or so, the, the market started to crash. <laughs> and and we are where we are right now. But uh, for us, you know, we, we're not crying about it because it, it, it creates opportunity. We have a real business model, right? So we have companies uh, which pay us. And, uh, and so now it's an opportunity for us to to be more competitive in the market and, and, and push some other companies aside. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's no good or bad to price. That's the beauty of it. It just, it is what it is. Uh, when you were buying ads and then converting those people, was it, was it ads specifically to target people who were interested in the coin? And mm-hmm. if that's the case, was there something structurally unique about XYO that was, that made it, profitable to do that or do you place uh emphasis in the and the tactics of the ad campaigns yeah yeah so in, in the beginning like 2018 we wanted to build this iot network and i was uh like sp- speaking with the leadership of comcast i was at the headquarters and it was like sk telecom is a verizon of south korea and, and a number of, of other big companies and obviously they didn't they like what I was talking about, and, and we had good conversations. But uh, in the end, they were hesitant to do like larger proof of concepts and to to upgrade their IoT infrastructure to to uh, to put XYO into the infrastructure. And so we decided to to launch an app called Coin. And Coin is an augmented reality app which lets you earn rewards as you explore the world. 
And at the beginning, it was like all passive background data collection. We do something we call a bond witness, where uh, basically one device interacts with, with another device. And then we added more and more data collection in the app and even offline data collection. Uh, and uh, and we, we made it very easy for non-crypto people over time uh, to to be part of the ecosystem. And today we think about 80% of the people who come into the coin app are non-crypto people. And we did that by by gamifying it and, and letting people earn rewards and, and say, okay, you, you can be part of the story and, and earn earn a lot, you know, if, if uh, the market plays and, and, the, and the token plays right. And then we allowed people to redeem not only for XYO, but also for like guitars and, hmm. uh, and virtual reality headsets and we had sweepstakes and we have sweepstakes in there and, and like gamified it more and, and so on. And so we made it really, really attractive to people to be part of, the, of that app. And today our established users use the app more than three hours a day in the foreground. It's more than all social media apps combined. And, uh, and so our advertising campaigns were targeted in, in bringing in those users into the app and then they get exposed to XYO from there and 95% of our redeems are for XYO. And so 80% of them are non-crypto people, but 95% basically become crypto people as a, as a redeem. So we are growing the ecosystem and, uh, and it's really fun. In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which is just until now, only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com. Code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. Wow. It's fascinating because I think from a startup founder's perspective, you're running since 2018, so only a couple of years, and you are limited into the number of things you could possibly do. So to spin up an app on the side called Coin and then market that and think about it and productize it and build it and launch it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Do you think about that as being the primary product because as i understand just a just a level set xyo is a network or an oracle which i think of as a network of uh, mm -hmm. iot devices you guys started off in 2012 or 13 focusing on iot realized that location specifically is a problem uh because people can spoof it or fake it and so there seems to be clearly a need to have a reliable way where people can validate their location in exchange for whatever, right? E-commerce orders or in-game rewards or something. <clears throat> and so using these, these connected devices, the IoT already has the established network. You say, let's layer on validation 
and then turn it into a a, a decentralized uh, validate location validation network. Is that how? Is that close to how you would describe it, or am I articulating that correctly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I describe it. Yeah, and, and then out of that grew like a larger and larger oracle. So they were, you're exactly right. And then uh, we tried to uh, we tried to increase our addressable total addressable market. You know, like uh, most uh, crypto focused companies. They, they deal inside the ecosystem, right? So it's like crypto company to crypto company and, and those are the clients. And we, we thought, oh, the world is so much bigger. In uh, 2018, 2% of Americans own cryptocurrency. Today, I think it's somewhere 20%. But uh, so the market was super small and it would have not made sense to just deal within the crypto sphere. And so we have uh, traditional people coming into the app and then on the side where we sell the data and provide Oracle services. Uh, it's not only blockchain companies like Chainlink is a partner of ours, for example, but uh, uh, a lot of traditional companies uh, work with us. And uh, and then in the, in the middle, every, everything is this one with blockchain. So in the beginning, also we were like this pure breed location-focused company. And today we call ourselves a reality Oracle. So we, we we create trustless data, which uh, gets connected with smart contracts as a metaverse and other digital realities. And uh, trustless, in a way, it's uh, because uh, we we validate and, and, and verify the data and, and have certain redundancy and certain mechanisms in, in the XYO network, which uh, which give you like trustlessness around the data, which is unique for an Oracle. Yeah. W- w- tell me what doesn't work about this approach. So if you start off and you say, we want to build a network, an Oracle of location connected devices, and we're going to uh, build a token on top of that, and people can get compensated, all the devices, the owners of the devices get compensated mm-hmm. for val- validating location. There's companies that are incentivized and want to validate location of different items. So if I'm, if I'm in your shoes, I'm thinking, let me go and sell this uh, onboarding process to these companies and grow the liquidity of, of the token, get the number of devices up, and then start off focusing on the lowest hanging fruit, probably like e-commerce packages that are getting mm-hmm. stolen or stolen cars or that kind of thing. If that's the playbook, that wouldn't include the VR coin app. Was there Was there a like an untenable or insurmountable challenge in growth uh, on the first playbook. And then that's why you added on the emphasis with the game. Yeah. Yeah. The difficulty was uh, to get the IoT network to grow, to be, mm. to, to be able to create uh, this trustless data. And so we thought, okay, mobile phones are Everywhere. IoT devices, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's why we, we, we pivoted there and, and created uh, the coin app and it's it's not a pivot it's more an extension mm-hmm. to, to increase the addressable market and then we realized we're so good at, at not only getting location data but other IoT data like let's say temperature or light sensors or, or whatever or offline data collection even where our nodes we have a deal with someone where uh, we uh, our users in certain zip codes they, they go and collect opening hours of businesses and take pictures and other parameters of, of that business, right? And then it gets validated and verified by other nodes, and then it gets meshed up with other data. 
and then uh, sent to the validated to the XYO network and then uh, uh, sold to that partner. And uh, so, so it's, it's a, it has a location component, component, right? Because the store is somewhere, but uh, the, the, the data is so much more than, than just lo- location. So location anchors it. Uh, but it, it's so much more than just location data. Mm. The, the IT device, how much does that vary and matter? So if you're taking device location from an Apple iPhone, Apple is going to control the permissions, they're going to control all sorts of metadata and data about that location. Does that does that play a, is that difficult or does that play a role into the Oracle when, it, when the sources of hardware and information is is different in many different cases yeah it, it does um, that's why we, we have something where the devices create bond witnesses so when two devices see each other they create a bond witness which is basically a cryptographic handshake and it can be like the proof of origin uh, for an e-commerce package let's say right you know where it started and then you know where it ends up or if you have two de- devices right two phones let's say you know where they started and where they ended up and which path they took Maybe a, a, along the way, and it's uh, it's that, and then we have other devices. For example, we have a device we call the Sentinel X NFC card. It's an NFC card, uh, which can also be a sticker. Have it on an e-commerce package or inside the e-commerce package, right? And, and you scan it, and, and it gets validated and, and, and verified. And by having more devices, right? You, you get <clears throat> excuse me. By having more devices, you get more and more uh, certainty. Mm. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, conceptually, the more devices that validate the location, the more certainty there is. It, what do you think about the location collection method in the first place? When I think of location uh, triangulation, I think of cell networks. So I have my cell phone tower, and then it's using the geometric, however the magic works, where they're, they're figuring out exactly how far I am from different towers, and they could triangulate my location with an iPhone or Android or any cell phone. That's different than, the, is, that, is that different in the case of IoT devices? Are they somehow coming up with their location by some other method? Often they can't come up with their own location. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then if you, if you do the triangulation like that, uh, it's that's very easily spoofable. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't have trust into it. What uh, we don't say that we do location better or, or or lots of other data. We don't do better than like GPS, for example. Right. GPS is amazing, right? But uh, uh, we provide certainty uh, that uh, it's good or bad. Uh, not that good. That the data is is real and, and that it came from somewhere and and, and these kinds of things and. Uh, that's that's a big distinguisher just uh, because uh, as you have more and more a more and more automated world which has with automated supply chains for example right you want to make sure that uh, you know your package is really on the doorstep before you you pay the vendor and uh, or the receptor and car is where it is these kinds of things and and uh, with spoofing and hacking of of so there's going to be more and more spoofing and hacking of location data just because there's going to be more nefarious actors because there's more value attached to location. And so do you think about the, I know there's many different applications for many different needs to know where objects are and people are. Do you think low-hanging fruit is packages, driverless cars? When I think of driverless cars, 
to me, it seems like, well, the network of Teslas that are going to be out there are go- they're all the Tesla's going to know where every Tesla is because it's it's connected to the satellites and you know they'll have their own secure network. I, to me, that doesn't seem like low hanging fruit. The packages, maybe you know, but it's really there would have to be there would have to be that ID tag on every package, which seems perfectly plausible, and it would be the point from where the delivery guy or gal drops off the package to the point where you receive it. Because sometimes people steal packages off the off the doorstep. Uh, are there other scenarios that stand out as being critical to or early adopting w- where the demand is? Yeah, it's it's actually it's all that location data which has like a location component, but uh, then so much more data around it, and other data is uh, more into it, like sentiment data, for example, you know, like, uh, how's the sentiment, uh, I don't know, on Times Square right now, and, uh, and, uh, and together with location data, and so on, and, and the nodes can provide that data, and we can do it in a trustless way, right, because we have lots of nodes, we, we know where they came from, and that they're there, they interact with the other nodes, and validate them, and verify each other's data, and that data then gets used for a number of applications, for example, to improve uh, a POI point of interest uh, system, right? And uh, which a lot of them are, are very wrong right now because of, of COVID and, and because of the way they collect data right now. The data comes from a lot of third party sources. They have no way to verify them. And, and so lots of maps are, are wrong. And, and uh, with our technology today, it's happening today. The, the, this data gets validated and you know, can have 100% accuracy. And it's the way we do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's even bigger than the, the packages uh, on your doorstep, just because uh, uh, it's trusting data we provide. And, and then the, the, the end use cases are, are endless. Right? And you know, like, okay, I'm like 99.9% sure that that data point is correct. Right, it, it allows you to to do more things in a, a more automated fashion and in a in a in a, in a better way. Hmm. So essentially, the the methodology is that if uh, if a object's passing through some location and it's connecting with you know five, six, seven, eight other nodes or other objects in that location that are sending and receiving data, then you don't need to actually know the location relative to the Earth. You just need to know that they're close to each other. So they say, hey, right. this object is nearby, and we all kind of know where we are approximately, and therefore you know that it's it's nearby, which m- makes a lot of sense. So you're almost saying you can, in theory, you c- every company can know where every product is at all times throughout the whole production cycle. You know, That's right. Yeah. 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 You you would know, like an example of that might be, hey, you want to distribute vaccines to every person or every health center in a country. Uh, there's a centralized location where they're all made. They're put in boxes. They're shipped out. From there, it's like they, it's it's just who knows where it is. But if they had this device on there, you know, they could see that every pathway that each one of these boxes of vaccines is taken. As as one other example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Uh, what you mentioned, Times Square and sentiment. Can you explain what those are? Yeah. So the 
sentiment of people, let's say, if they're partying or if they're angry in a riot. Oh, okay. And, so, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, let's say you have 100 data points and, and 99 say they're partying and one said they're rioting. Right? Then uh, you, you, and you connect that with other data, you stack other data on top of that, like you have the location of people, for example. Then uh, uh, you can uh, you can just add more and more data points to to it, and and, and that validates and, and verifies data as well. Hmm. What do you think about tagging people? What do you think about tagging dogs? Since you know, right now, I think the majority or a lot of dogs and pets have been tagged for not location, but for uh, identification. But in yeah. this concept. I think the reason why they don't do location now is that you it takes energy, so you have to somehow, you know, charge the device or something. But I don't think people are opposed to it conceptually. Uh, do you see that as being a uh, an inevitable pathway? And and then people, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a uh, we use zero knowledge proofs, so you can't say you know like it's Mike who is this data point in in Times Square. Um, but uh, for for dogs and and uh, and other things where you, other people can know the location and uh, and the current network, I think yeah, it's a great thing. How about so we all recognize, or I'm beginning to recognize, you have for a while the power of this, and that especially when it's decentralized, people there's no individual that can shut it down. So when that happens, I think how does this? What's the? What are the? areas we want to make sure we don't, the traps we don't fall into. For instance, if a government were to use this for the purposes of uh, wanting to know the location of every citizen, say an authoritarian government somehow were to use this this network or this power uh, for their own means, it, is there is there some, is there a pathway to that in, in worst case scenario? Or what are your thoughts on that? Kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, it's not possible without technology to do that. You know, right now I think they call the Verizon, T-Mobile, AT and T, and friends, and and say give us all the data of all the people, kind of, because they have that power. But with us, uh, we don't know the identity, for example, behind someone, and we also don't know. Like I said, we, we use zero knowledge proof, so we often data points can't be connected, and so you have a set of data points and you have another set of data points and you wouldn't know if if those are connected or not if you but with a system like horizons for, mm -hmm. right you you'd know that uh, this is mike's phone right and and uh, you have all all the data about mike basically and uh, that's just not how our technology works. Uh, it, it is, so in the case of, say, a package was delivered on my front door and uh, and I want, or the company, Amazon, or some other delivery company wants to know, hey, did it really get there? Or I want to know, where is it now? When when you say that you the, the network uses zero knowledge proofs and doesn't keep the identity of that node or mm -hmm. that package, how would I be able to figure out where that package is? You need to know which data you're looking for. So you, you basically query the network. You know this is your package, and then then you can query it. And then, uh, uh, but how the data is is uh, 
insulated. You can't connect it to then the next package and to the next package and to the next package. Oh, you I just see. know about that one package. That one. So you could, it, would, do you think of it by analogy, like a, an address, like a Bitcoin address, you can look at this address. Yeah, you yeah. don't know who owns it, but you can see everything that it does. Yes. Yes. In a way, right. if you have, who can decrypt it and everything. Yes. Yeah. Is it, is it similar in that sense where the, the net, like Bitcoin, it's all public, right? All the addresses are available to everyone, but no one knows who owns the different addresses. Is that structurally the same way that uh, XYO is set up? No, the data, the data gets stored in something we call the archivist. And uh, it's like a data storage system, and which is decentralized. And in there, uh, you you can you see data points, but you don't know how they are connected. Uh, but you see where data points can come from, right? So you see the proof of origin that one data point, for example, interactive is another data point. You can see that it's this cryptographic handshake, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't know uh, that it, you have basically a, a sea of cryptographic handshakes, but uh, you can't connect them except if, if you know what you're looking for. I see. This is all amazing and really complicated. <laughs> how did you, <laughs> how did you uh, architect this, or your partners? Uh, what, what was yeah. like the the founding days when you guys scaffolded this this project? How, how did you how did you actually do it? Were you sitting around whiteboarding with one or two other people, and or were you studying other projects and emulated something else that's working? Yeah, we, we have this amazing person working for us, Ari Tro. He's a Super visionary. He's a co-founder of the company and the CEO and, and CTO today. And he's just a, a Elon Musk type character. He's from South Africa. He's born like six months earlier uh, than Elon. Uh, I think in the same area and not yet richer. <laughs> but uh, he's a, like this visionary technologist, and he started playing with computers. I think when he was eleven, he built computers and. and crazy and he so we, we spoke about the problems of, of location and how, how we can fix that and I'm not as bit as, as visionary and then Ari was going on and on and on and then the next morning I just saw another sleepless night and then he, he had all these ideas and then you know we, we whiteboarded and and things happened did a lot of research and then another sleepless night later right it, it shifts and it shifts and it shifts and it shifts and and then uh, you know it just was born after after uh, after a week or two and then you know the, the rough edges and then we were thinking okay wow we have something here how can we make something out of it mm. and then uh, we, we built a business around the idea and uh, yeah yeah the rest is history so did you come into that relationship with uh so 2012-18 was that your time working on iot so do you think of it as he came in with the technology and sort of the visionary mm-hmm. perspective on where the technology can go and you came in with the understanding of iot location and that landscape yeah it's uh, so ari and i we go back uh, a long time we ari started xy labs the underlying iot company in 2012 i only joined in 2018 as a co-founder with xyo and in the meantime so ari and i and some other people we had an ad tech company before uh, grew like to 200 people and then ari left in in 2012 uh, to pursue xy labs and i ran that was ceo of that ad tech company which we sold in 2015 and then i 
I did a media publishing company, uh, Hive Media, uh, which sold uh, two months ago uh, to uh, Open Web uh, for sixty million. So that was good. <laughs> hmm. And uh, then an email technology company and and a lot of other tech. We had a data company uh, which was sold to Ten Ten Data in New York, and uh, we we were always like big systems data. Uh, marketing, online marketing type guys. And, and uh, so I left in, in, in 2012 to then you know, start XY Labs. And then uh, all, all the things on my side were, they weren't quite done, but one of my projects was failing. The the email was a, like a mobile email technology company, or it wasn't growing as it was supposed to. And, and I shut that down and, and then... Uh, we decided to build XYL. So, so at that time, was were you working with him throughout those ad tech businesses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What, yeah. What, uh, I was the CEO. Yeah. I want to ask you about this because I am just have a personal curiosity because I don't understand a lot of what goes on underneath the hood. What's yeah. what's the how would you explain the uh, the superficial understanding of ad tech? Conceptually, when I think of it as um, ad tech, I think there's certainly Google, Facebook that are in the ad space. They dominate a portion of the ad market. But I recently learned it's, it's fairly small relative to the total market. Uh, there's many other ways that advertisers advertise through different networks. How does the landscape, like what's going on? And what, what does the landscape look like in, in ad tech? Yeah, it's changing. Uh, because so you have uh, the publisher, which is let's say a, a website, right? So it's it's a source. And then you have the advertiser, which could be say XYL, right? Buying buying ads, and uh, and then you have a lot of things going on in between there, which is a technology which allows you to have, for example, a real time bidding system, mm-hmm. which make allows you to to bid on an impression. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And you know, there's like trillions of, of display impressions out out there, right? And there you can bid on every single one, uh, and it, it's all automated. And so you have thousands of companies uh, serving this ecosystem of uh, real-time bidding, for example, supply sides, demand side, and data comes in there and uh, and to optimize basically your bid for for that advertising. So the publisher wants to increase the price as much as possible, right? And the advertiser wants to have the best possible return on their, on their advertising spend. And that actually goes hand in hand, right? Because if you have the data, if you can target someone well, let's say, and uh, you know their intent is to say, I don't know, buy a new car, and you, you, you know that, and so you, you send them car ads, right? And it converts. Uh, it means that uh, you can bid more for your ads, which benefits the publisher as as well as advertiser in that case. And so this ecosystem just allows uh, allows you to to 
to be more efficient in, in Denmark. Yeah. Is the majority of the, the actual surface area to the, the consumer's eyeballs, is that on uh, display advertising on uh, on other websites? I'm on a website, I see an ad for something as I'm scrolling down. Is that primarily where the, the surface area, where the rubber meets the road, where the ads are facing the consumer? Yeah, it's that and then it's video ads. Video, uh, yeah. Uh, they become more popular than uh, influence advertising. It's, it's a new, mm. new form in a way. Then you have uh, like uh, five, six years ago, uh, like companies like Tabula and Outbrain started, which did like native advertising. And uh, so it, it's all, all, always new thing. And then search, of course. Mm. And and it's always uh, changing. Uh, it depends how how consumers convert the best. And also you publishers have to make sure that uh, they don't show too many ads in a way so they don't annoy the users. Uh, so they try to find advertising formats which are less annoying, which native advertising was at, at least at the beginning, where it's like, you know, maybe you want to read those three articles as well, and then you go to another website. And, mm. and so. do, do, you still, do you find it interesting still, or do you feel like the industry is kind of stagnating in terms of what's uh, technically possible with... Uh, I imagine the publishers are going to be limited by their ability to reach consumers with data. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, once there's kind of a proliferation of data, once this is all the data that, that you have, then there's just a, a race to the bottom. Do you feel like it's an exciting time or kind of a dull time to be in that space? I think it's still very exciting. It's, it's consolidated a lot, you know, Google and, and, Facebook and, and some two, three other friends yeah. like that. They uh, they consolidated the market, and so it's uh, you rely on on them. You have to play by their rules and, and their technology and their what they want. And so it's it's less cowboy than it, than it was uh, in a way, and that has can have certain advantages, right? With uh, consumer protections, for example, but it also can rob the markets of opportunities and it's monopolistic in a way right because uh, they facebook and google do what's in in their best interest right and and they don't care much about a small publisher or advertiser or, or a tech company mm. and yeah yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's it's still very exciting because i, I think uh, it's so high tech it's like high frequency trading yeah. steroids it really uh, is no it's, it's and um and so there's always like trying to find an edge and, and, and doing things in this market. And because it's so high tech there, there, you can scale it very quickly as well. You know, you have a great idea, you, you build something and, and suddenly you have, you touch millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. And a great idea in ad tech would be something like an, an access to a pool of data that, and that's generally what, what you're able to scale and monetize and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think there's a pathway? Does well, let me ask you this? I've, me- I've been meaning to ask you this like half an hour ago. What is XYO? What's the? There, I looked around a little bit. Is it just a name that Ari came up with years ago, or is there a significance to it? Uh, the O stands for Oracle, and the XY are the coordinates in the system. Oh, that's so it's uh, X and Y coordinates. Yeah, it's Y Oracle network. I like that actually. I'm glad I asked. That make makes it a lot more relevant in my mind. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, 
what do you see like this plays out to full success full fruition do you see the game as as something that expands and becomes like a big part of a lot more people's lives or do you see this more like um ad tech in a way where it just runs behind the scenes uh most people don't even know it exists it just improves the business operations and people see the benefits of it but they don't necessarily see what's going on behind the scenes yeah, so we have like four components in, in our network, the sentinels, which are devices which collect the data, the bridges, which relay it, the archivists, which I mentioned, are the devices which are storing the data, and then the diviners, the devices which crunch the data to, to give you the best answer to a given question. And all those four components get uh, incentivized with XYO to, to be part of this network and they will provide uh, useful data. And the idea is to get more and more and more devices into the ecosystem. And the coin app is a way for us to do that, to bring people who are not crypto people into the system. You know, you can also run a Sentinel or a bridge or the other two components without the coin app, but, it, but it's, it's, uh, it's not as easy for, for my grandma, for example. And uh, so the idea is grow that ecosystem and to grow the economy of the XYO token. Uh, you know, we have a finite supply of the token. So as the economy grows, the value of the token should grow. And we have seen that, I think, in 2021. And uh, also that brings in uh, more data, brings in uh, more buyers for that data. And uh, and we will grow there. And that our, 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 our idea is that you're basically uh, spider net connecting uh, the uh, physical and digital realities where, uh, you know, we connect a data point, for example, that you own your headset, but we know it's yours and it's limited edition and where you bought it, right? And you paid $10, let's say, and, and there's one out of 10 you, you have. And, and then your avatar in the metaverse, right, has the same headset, right? But it's, it's, it's say, uh, fireworks come on. And, because, uh, and this way, uh, your headset suddenly has more value. Right, so you can sell it at a higher price, and and uh, also if you resell it, uh, it has value in in a metaverse type setting as well. And and so our, our what we are doing is basically creating more and more and more and more spider web between real world and between the digital realities as well, and connecting all the data points, uh, uh, trusted data points. Mm. What would be like the, if you could, uh, you know, wave a magic wand and uh, have anything change instantaneously, would you want there to be 10 times more devices out there, IoT devices? Would you, like, what would really be a catalyst for growth, do you think? Yeah, we, we work on, on getting these 10 times more devices. So we're working on some SDK solutions, there's XYO SDK, and, and we, we are making creating it in a way that provides lots of value to to apps from other companies and, and to mobile phone manufacturers so that it might be a catalyst that there could be tens of millions of of users quite quickly actually and uh, and uh, so we want to basically have more devices to connect more data points with each other. And I think once you have the data and, and you are able to do something useful with it, then the, the clients will come who, who want to buy that data. It's, it's happening right now and it, it, it 
it's accelerating. Mm. So what drives that acceleration? Is there a, um, I assume people aren't making devices for this purpose. They're making devices for other purposes. And examples would be like a IOT device would be, it could be your phone. It could be, but more, more, more novel, more new would be something like, um, a smart microwave or a, yeah. Yeah. Any device that connects the Wi-Fi, your lights, I have uh, smart lights in my home. Are those the kind of things that uh, are center of the bullseye when you think of IoT devices? Is that the majority of the market share? It is. It is. But uh, those ones are uh, now static devices. So you, you have a limited ability to collect data from them. They're still useful, right? Because they, they give you a, a cryptic uh, a handshake with, let's say, your phone, which moves around the, the whole day. So they have to be an anchor in, in the world. Uh, in your relative world, but uh, um, it, the holy grail are, are, are mobile phones, I think, and, and devices which which move around. Mm. Do, is there any way to like? Uh, <laughs> is there ever a scenario where there would just be these IoT devices everywhere? Like, it would is there any incentive or any reason to say a city, for instance? Say I live in Portland, Oregon. W- would Portland, Oregon, ever want to just, what if they just deployed 10,000 IoT devices? They just stuck them on, they're like solar panels, they're two inches, they just yeah. stick them on the side of buildings and, and all over the place and everything's connected. Um, would that, is that a practical future or is there incentive there for that to happen? Yeah, for sure. Because then, uh, you know, you, you can say with like certainty that you know, the car was in the parking spot, right? Yeah. And that it you know a lot about traffic density, for example. You can change your your uh, traffic lights uh, on the fly to improve traffic flow, mm-hmm. and you can uh, have connected parking meters, which know when the car is there, and, and then you know charge the car by the minute, let's say, mm-hmm. and give you automatic tickets and whatever kind of thing. So, uh, in smart cities, yeah, it's like endless applications there for, for our technology. Have you, have you followed any of these smart city um, innovators? I, I've read a couple articles that uh, people have really conceptualized at this point. I don't think there's been much funding to it. Although there's there's one project in outside of Phoenix or somewhere in Phoenix where they're effectively dedicating like a number of blocks, maybe like 10 or so blocks. And they're, they're redesigning this uh, like intercity living in a, in a completely new way. So it's pedestrian first, it's all IoT devices, it's smart transportation. And it seems like, to me, I, I get pretty excited about that because it seems like it, cities and infrastructure are a kind of thing that are difficult to improve gradually. Like you, you, you kind of commit to one design and then in order to change it, you sort of have to just build a new one. Have you followed or uh, have any interesting perspectives on where you think the future of cities goes or people, human organizations? Yeah, it's such a difficult thing. What you just mentioned is like building new or or using existing infrastructure. If you build everything new, it's just cost prohibitive, uh, politically not possible, I think, and maybe environmentally could be very damaging, at least in in the short term. Uh, But uh, you have great projects uh, like in, in Toronto, right, tries to do a really amazing uh, connected city type stuff. Not the whole city, but a certain part of, of Toronto. And then in the Middle East, like in the United Arab Emirates or in Saudi Arabia, they are working uh, to build like hyper-connected 
uh, new cities. And that works really well, I think, because the new cities and, and the kind of flying taxis and mm. like all, all, all the things we really want to see in, in our cities too. But um, I think uh, Elon Musk has like, shown, right, to for electric cars, for example, to work. Others have tried before him, right, and, and failed. And the, the way one big reason they succeeded is because they built out the charging infrastructure, but on existing infrastructure, right? So existing power lines and existing parking spaces and everything was existing. And then they, they put an ad on there, right? Which was the the superchargers. And suddenly, uh, you know, the electric cars were viable. And, uh, and I think the same is true for connected cities for them to be able to work we need to become come up with like add-ons which work in, in our current settings and uh, which bring you a lot of uh, bang for the buck basically and uh, by using uh, existing infrastructure so is there a plan to or have you thought about or are you building devices does that make sense the hardware yeah we used to build devices um but uh, and now we use contract manufacturers, but we are we are not focused on the creation of our own devices right now, just because of the deployment would be time consuming and costly. What we want to do just because of that, we, we want to uh, be able to upgrade existing infrastructure like uh, your phone, right, or uh, be able to upgrade your firmware in a in an IoT device. The reason is. If you build your own IoT network, uh, you need to you need such massive um, amounts of, of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, while you could do it in, in a much cheaper way and, and use the existing IoT infrastructure and, and do it in a cheaper way, so we have designs for our own hardware in in, in our drawers. But uh, right now we, we're mostly focused on, on using uh, existing infrastructure. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. T- topic really I, I love it i love thinking about where where cities go how interacting with with people works on mass scales in a network yeah. way anything that i i should have asked you anything you wanted to chat about that you find interesting um that i didn't that we didn't cover that you think about uh, excellent we covered a lot yeah. like it really it was super fun uh um, let me think. You ask, you ask a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love what you guys are talking about. How about, um, talk about the ADS Yeah, we, we could throw out certainly where, where to learn more. XYO.network. Uh, you guys have a, uh, telegram group, bunch of all the social channels, I'm sure are very easy to find. Um, do you, are you on any, so do you tweet actively or write anywhere or I know you obviously do podcasts? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I redirect uh, all my social to uh, the company. I, my LinkedIn is even empty. If you, if you look, oh. connect with me on LinkedIn if, if you want to connect with me. <laughs> what's, the, what's the, is it empty for a reason? You just anti LinkedIn? No, no, no. I think it, it's very useful, but, uh, and, I emptied it when it was difficult for us to get a bank account. You know, <laughs> we spoke with more than a hundred <laughs> banks and, uh, and to get a uh, bank account after Wells Fargo shut down our account, you know, because they're anti-crypto anyway. Yeah. And uh, then I realized uh, it's, it's, 
it's not about me. It's it's about the XYO network, and uh, I want to do everything XYO. So, I, I, I'm, how is it now? Did you guys end up working with? Uh, I know Evolve Bank is pretty crypt SVB is the landscape. Yeah. I, you and I were actually probably looking for bank accounts in crypto at the same time in 2018. Uh, we ended up <laughs> just using Chase, and it just worked out. But uh, yeah, like you know, it could just get shut down in a minute, which is so scary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase, Chase didn't want us then. Uh, now they might. SVB had a $10 million minimum, uh, which was a, then, uh, which you had to keep in the bank account, which didn't make sense for mm-hmm. small business accounts. And, uh, and uh, a lot of others just said no. Yeah. Now we're good and have uh, backup bank accounts and yeah. those kinds of things. But, uh, uh, and also I think the ecosystem changed. You know, yeah. like if you go in the bank and you say uh, crypto, it's still, a little scared, lots of traditional banks, but uh, they don't think you're Pablo Escobar anymore. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least they think you might not be. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. A, a, an advisor of ours who, who is at the World Economic Forum, he said to me, uh, the fines are, are just so large, uh, these banks face relative to the money they make from us crypto companies, that it's not worth it for them to engage. Yeah, uh, and uh, that makes sense, right? Like uh, com- uh, banks want to profit too, right? Yeah, but uh, if the uh, fear of loss is, is larger, then they don't work. I think that's true. I think there's also a psychological component to the people who start and grow banks tends to be uh, if, like if you brought up crypto and said explain Bitcoin, they probably couldn't. They're probably unfamiliar, so it's dark and scary and unfamiliar. And so there's, uh, you know, until the explosion of price in crypto, there just hasn't been an interest in exploring it. Like, like you say, you know, they're just less apprehensive. But the beauty of a free market is that some banks do, and some entrepreneurs start banks or buy banks and change them. So I'm optimistic. I think there's a, a pathway where the traditional banking and payment system can integrate uh, sustainably with crypto. As long as uh, something crazy doesn't happen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe that too. Uh, it it uh, depends how, how fast it is. It's a regulate regulatory question, I think. Uh, but uh, America is is moving there, right? And uh, we don't know in which direction yet. But uh, I don't think uh, that uh, America wants to lose its competitive edge in technologies like like crypto and blockchain, especially as as a technology seeps into into other things like AI and, and other things which are important to the government. Damn right. Well, thanks so much, sir. Been awesome to get to know you and congrats on the progress of everything. Marcus, danke. Danke. Yeah, and thank you very much so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts tweet about it or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.